I'm Ryan Dobson. Thanks for joining me. This is Rebel Parenting. Thank you to my sponsors for providing cost-free advice and entertainment on a weekly basis. My goodness, I'm so stoked. Uh, number one sponsor, Summit Ministries, summit.org. This camp totally changed my life when I was a teenager. If you've got a teenager that you want to pass your beliefs and faith on to, Summit is maybe the best investment you can make. In two short weeks, they will learn things that will thrill you and help you feel assured and calm about their future. It will prepare them for what life has in store for them. It did for me. It's made the biggest difference in the world. I've been back every year for, I think, 35 years in a row, and I love it. If you use the code uh, REBEL22, you get 100 bucks off. And if you sign up before March 31st, you get another 200 off. That's 300 off a two-week program, 300 bucks off by doing the early bird special online at summit.org and using the code REBEL22. Thank you to Summit and Covenant Eyes. Get rid of the porn in your life, help your relationship, help your marriage. CovenantEyes.com online, sign up, code word rebel parenting or rebel, you get a free month. Thank you to our sponsors. All right, let's dive into it. I've been hearing back from a lot of you on the kindness challenge. Uh, I am so interested to hear from those of you that are participating in the kindness challenge this month. Uh, so if you have any questions or comments, please, please, please let me know. Last week, I talked about how it's difficult. Mm. little uh, psych juice as we start the program today. As much as the kindness challenge works, it's still difficult to do. It's very, very difficult to do. And uh, if you are getting resistance or pushback, well, I didn't bring the war of art in here, but I'm reading it in the mornings. Uh, if you are feeling pushback and resistance, especially in different scenarios and situations, you might be asking yourself, is kindness always the answer? Is it always the best uh, foot forward, uh, foot to put forward? And I'm going to go straight to the source, Shanti Feldhan's book. If you want to go along, I am on, where am I? Chapter three, page 33, is kindness ever the wrong approach? Uh, and she says, it would be natural to be politely skeptical of the claims made so far, uh, in parentheses, or perhaps despite the theme of this book, not so politely skeptical. Let's briefly examine some common concerns. Don't other factors matter as much as kindness? So there's a lot of information here. I'm going to let you read it on your own since you're going through the kindness challenge, but I do want to read this paragraph. Um, it says, so we see, so what we see in the research is this profound reality. Kindness is certainly not the only factor that matters, but you cannot improve a relationship, a group dynamic or a culture without it, period. And here's why two people form a relationship. You cannot change the other person. You can only change yourself. As I've mentioned, showing kindness to the other person impacts the other person and changes you. And as we'll demonstrate in the pages ahead, the kinder you are, the more you want to be kind. And then your kindness usually makes the other person want to change. That change of heart often leads them to change how they interact to be more kind themselves and so on in a virtuous cycle. And there's a chart on the next page they talk about. And so this is people that have been doing the kindness challenge and they're being given surveys on their current relationship status. And here's what it says. Um, as you think, and this is the question they were asked, and here's the answers that I'm giving, and this is why it's important. As you think about your partner's development as a person, do you think they have changed for the better or worse in the, past, in the last few months? I think 
Quote, they have changed a bit for the better. That's 35%. They have changed a lot for the better is 39%. So if their relationship has changed for the better and the person said yes, either a little bit or a lot, that was 74% of people that took place in the kindest challenge. Think about that. 74% said whatever relationship they were in changed for the better. Uh, Or is the answer, I think they are about the same and they haven't changed at all. 23% said their partner the person that they're uh, participating in the kind of challenge in with, not with as in they're both doing it, but the person they're directing it to didn't change 23%. And they changed a lot for the worse or they changed a little bit for the worse. 3%, 3%. Now I will tell you that is the most extreme example of that resistance. I think that's what's going on there. 3%, 3% of the people after, you know, a few months still are having a hard time with it. They're getting worse because you're getting better. I think that's what's taking place in there. I can't extrapolate it because I didn't interview these people, but that's a pretty significant bit of information to receive. That's a really good one. You will see the change, but it impacts the other person changes you. That impact oftentimes causes a change for the positive. Um, Now, I want to read this too. It's kind of the the wrong approach. And this is an interesting one. There's two paragraphs here, and I agree with both of them. And I want to talk about just for a second. One businessman in a focus group voiced a common skepticism this way, quote, is kindness essential? Much of the time, yes, even most of the time, but always, no. That guy at the repair shop who lied to you, who ripped you off, you don't need to be kind to him. You need to confront him. It seems as though kindness is a principle for interpersonal relationships, not professional or vendor relationships. It's not a cure-all in every situation, end quote. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting paragraph uh, to take into account. If someone has wronged you, if you're in a business relationship, if you're at work, if you're having uh, services done for you, you need to confront a person. Another person in the focus group spoke up. Yes, but I would say you should be kind rather than unkind in confronting the person. The car repair guy has already ripped you off. Don't let him rob you of your emotional health as well. And even if you're confronting him very directly and clearly, your kindness is now extending to the person you don't know. Because you've called this guy out, he may not do it to the next person in line. Isn't that an interesting thing? Don't let that person rob you of your emotional health. So that's a really interesting one. I've been going through this. Um, I had some negotiations I was going through and I called a good friend of mine uh, because I felt I was getting too emotional. I need to pull myself out of it. And there were emotional things I wanted to say and convey. And I, there was emotional things I wanted to feel. And the truth is it was inappropriate for the situation. It was inappropriate for the negotiation. And I needed to pull myself out of it emotionally. And that allowed me to behave in a proper and probably kind manner rather than kind of an acidic or toxic way pulling my emotions out of it. It was a work relationship. It was a negotiation. This was not an interpersonal relationship. This is all about business and numbers. And it still makes you feel a certain way. If you feel you're being devalued or if you feel you're being, you know, given too much, whatever that is, there's feelings that go along with it. Those cause emotions. And I was pulling my emotions out of it and allowed the scenario to go very, very well. And I'm really, really happy about that. So continue plugging away in the kindness challenge, whatever relationship you're working on, it works. It's a fantastic thing and know when and when not to be kind. But I will say, by and large, most of the time, in all situations, be kind. Most situations, be kind. All right, so that was 
What else am I doing? Oh yeah, this one too. Mm, I'm so stoked. Okay. That's a little part on marriage. This is rebel parenting. Let's dive into the parenting section too. So when I did the survey, uh, the two things marriages said they needed help in most was communication and sex life. Totally understand that. I believe kindness challenge is a vehicle to both of those things. I think oftentimes when you've got a bad sex life, you got bad communication, there's some wounded feelings, there's some vulnerability issues going on. The kindness challenge will help in your vulnerability. It will help in your communication. Uh, it'll help in your nuanced communication with your spouse or with whoever it is that you're working with. I think those will help immensely. We also have some guests come in and talk about interpersonal communication with your spouse and to talk about sex lives. Whether you've had trauma in your past or whether you've got, you know, whatever it is that's going on, you had a kid, postpartum, late in life, uh, menopause, all the things that you go through, being on antidepressants can change your sex life. All those things, we are going to tackle those as well. Um, and today, because most of you uh, said you need more help in your parenting than your marriage and you needed help in all areas, that's what I want to tackle today because I've been really working on uh, a lot of stuff with parenting and I'm excited about it. Mm. Excuse me. So I've got a new presentation I'm working on that I'm going out traveling and speaking with. A lot of you who are familiar with the program know I have an organization called Home Safe, where I travel to church and groups and schools, and I teach parents how to protect their families in and out of the home. Uh, from a lot of threats that we've heard of and a lot of the new threats that we're dealing with today, you know, active shooter, online porn, predators, bullying, um, home invasions, all those types of things I have dealt with my entire life. And I'm really good at helping people with that. And I felt the presentation was lacking something. It wasn't really giving my full personality. It was a little bit fear-based. It was, you know, hoping something bad doesn't happen to your family is not a plan. Uh, and that's true. It's true. And isn't there a better way to convey that message? And so I've, I've developed this program that helps you protect your family while drawing your family closer together. You got a strong familial bond and you're also being safer because those things go hand in hand. Uh, when you have a strong familial bond, when you have an intimate, close relationship with your family, they want to be close. And therefore, in a stressful situation or environment, when the proverbial <clears throat> hits the fan, they are more apt to trust and act without question because of the relationship you have built. If you have an acrimonious relationship, you've got a tense relationship, uh, a strife-ridden relationship in moments of tension uh, and anxiety when you are barking orders that need to be followed immediately, if you have that type of relationship that is very toxic and, and fighty, uh, you may not get the response you want when you need it most when life and death happens. So I've developed a new program that draws families really close together while teaching how to protect yourselves. And while I'm not going to talk today about protecting your family uh, from outside and internal dangers, I do want to talk about bringing your family closer together. And the two resources I have, one is me and one is a great book. And I'm going to go through a little bit of those points right now. So uh, notes from the iPad. Um, okay, so these are things that are great for parenting and also will, it's not just, it's not compliance-based parenting. Will this get the behavior you're looking for? Yes. Is that the end goal? No. Behavior is not the goal. Heart change is the goal. That's what these parenting techniques and this advice is trying to give out. This is not about compliance. It's not about just do something good in front of me and then when you're gone, whatever. 
this is way more of a heart change um, over time. So one of the things I say, start early and continue on. It also works great with spouses is verbally, be verbally grateful for all positive acts your child does. It works great with spouses. Anything they do that makes you happy, that is a positive thing, praise them for it. When they say please, or if they say excuse me, when they want to interrupt, go, oh, thank you so much for saying excuse me. If you Wait till you're done talking and then look down. Hey, thank you for saying excuse me. I really appreciate it. You didn't interrupt. You allowed me to finish my conversation. It's so nice that you're polite this way. I really do appreciate that. What is it that you wanted to ask me? And then you dive into it. But that positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement is the greatest tool in parenting and in marriage. Positive reinforcement. Oh, hey, you cleaned your room. It looks really nice today. I love it when you do that. I didn't even have to ask you to do that. You cleaned your room. Or, hey, thanks for saying thank you after dinner. Thanks for acknowledging the fact that I had a long day and I cooked and that you enjoyed it. I really do appreciate that. It makes it so easy to do nice things for you when you're being kind. That stuff works. I'm telling you it works. Think about your boss. I've said this so many times before, uh, but if you show up and your boss comes into your office, goes, you know what? I really love how on time you are. I have never had to worry about you showing up on time. I show up, you're at your desk. It makes me feel good. That type of boss you'll go to the ends of the earth for. If you're that type of parent that lets your kid know when they're doing good more than when they're doing bad. Way more, that will produce positive results. Start early, continue on in the teen years. I was just talking to a group of parents and they were like, oh my goodness, my kids are already teens. I've not done this. Awesome, start now. Great, start now. Don't let past failure freeze you into inaction. Past failure is just that, in the past. Maybe you want to apologize for it. Maybe you want to go, you know what? I've not really been grateful for all the neat things that you do. And I'm really sorry I've not been appreciative to you in the past. I'm going to start doing that now. Parents always worry about when they, I'm going to get to this in a second, when you uh, blow up with your kids and you apologize, are they going to throw it back in your face? Probably. And it's okay because you did the thing they're throwing at you. Does it feel good? No, but that's the point. It didn't feel good when you did whatever you did to your child. It doesn't feel good hearing about it again, but true repentance allows your heart to change. It allows your heart to change. So if you did a bad thing, apologize for it. No big deal. We're going to move on. Now, do you allow yourself to get beat up for it? No, but you can be understanding. You can be understanding. I was a really bad parent to Lincoln when he was little. I was really harsh. I was really hard on him. And every now and then he feels that and he goes, man, you were so hard on me when I was little. And it makes me feel bad because I was hard on him, too hard on him when he was little. And I got to look at him and go, you know what, man? I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. You're right. I was. I'm sorry. Do I wish I didn't have to do that? Absolutely. Am I good at it? No. I'm better at it than I've ever been before, but I'm not great at it. Again, cross for reference. Reference. It doesn't get easier. You just get faster. I'm better at it today than I've been at it in the past, and it's built a good relationship. All right. Boss pulley relationship. Yep. Da, 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 da. Tell your kids how much you love them. Tell me your kids, not just love them. Tell your kids how much you love being their parent. That's the key one. That's that magic word. I love being your parent. Here's why. In all these things, whether, whether it's being grateful, whether it's acknowledging something positive they've done, um, you know, those things, be nuanced and be specific. The more nuanced and specific you can be, the better the compliment lands. You know, uh, if your boss looks, he goes, hey man, I like you. You're a good guy. That's nice. It's certainly better than nothing. 
but hey, man, I like you. You're a good guy. You're really thoughtful. You know, I noticed the other day that people were walking in and you were about 15 steps ahead of them, but you looked back and saw people behind you and you left the, you held the door open for those people. You didn't have to do that. You're a thoughtful guy. I like that. That positive reinforcement will make you want to do more positive things for more people. It produces oxytocin in your brain, that great bonding chemical that gives you that euphoric feeling. I did a good thing. Somebody noticed it. Isn't that great? Don't I feel good? I'd like to feel that way again. Maybe I'm going to be kinder in the future. That will change you so much. So cool. Kids will tell you everything if you listen to everything. I've said that before. I'm going to say it again. Kids will tell you everything if you listen to everything. And you go, oh, my kids are already teenagers. They don't talk to me at all. I didn't spend the time in the past. Great. You can start doing it now. Uh, I read uh, in my son's room pretty regularly. Three or four times a week, I'll just go in while he's playing video games and I'll read my book or I'll play uh, Candy Crush. I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't have said that, Uh, but it's true. And I just play it randomly until he's ready to talk. And sometimes he talks and sometimes he doesn't. And I stay in for 30, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Sometimes 15, sometimes five. Hey man, anything you want to talk about? No, playing video games. Okay, cool. But I hang out because when they're ready to talk, I want to be there. I don't want it to be like, hey man, can you put your phone down, dad? There's something I want to talk to you about. Kids have said so frequently, Kathy Cook talked about this. I don't have the exact figure, but it is massive, massive figure. Kids say they won't talk to their parents about anything of significance if they think the parent has a phone on them at all. If you have an Apple Watch, it's probably the same way with the Apple Watch too since it buzzes all the time. If they think you've got a phone on you, they are worried that when they express vulnerability and share something with you in the middle of it, you might look down and I don't know where my phone is and pick up and look at your phone. And that's heartbreaking. And that stops the vulnerability. So let's not do that. Let's definitely not do that. Just be around them, be near them, bring a book in, hang out, listen to some music, whatever. Sometimes they'll talk, sometimes they won't. But if you're there to listen to everything, they'll tell you everything. Now, if you've not done this since they were little, if you've not practiced this and your kids are already teens, they may take a while to tell you things, but just give it time. Don't give up. Here's the other one too. You can't get every conversation done at one time. All right? There's some things that you've got in the back of your head that you're like, man, I really want to talk to my kid about this. I really want to talk to my kid about this. And that's what you're thinking going into it. They will sense it. Dad came in with a motive. You ever gotten a phone call from someone they're making odd small talk with you and you're like, what are you calling me for? Get to the point. I had someone call me not long ago. I couldn't figure out why they called me. It was so weird. They're making this random small talk and it's like, I haven't heard from you in a while. And this is a weird conversation and blah, blah, blah. And then they got to the point. It was like, oh, this is why you called. And they were wasting my time and I didn't like it. And your kids feel that way too. So don't go into the mode of an agenda. I mean, you can do that secretly. And if the topic comes up, if naturally it comes up, great. If you've got to wait till next time, that's okay too. I just had one of these situations. I won't tell you exactly what it is and I won't tell you which kid it is. But we started down a road I really want to go down and then that child got off that road. And I really want to try to bring us back onto the road and it didn't happen. And so I'm just going to wait till it happens next time because it will if you consistently make this practice being around your kids enough to where they will talk to you. All right. Uh, Extreme grace. Don't punish for a lifetime. No first time obedience. Mistakes are the rule. Success is the exception. That's a big one. Don't punish for a lifetime. 
Don't punish for a lifetime. And then here's my resource for you on this one. I'm going to put it Rebel Parenting. Uh, I will give uh, probably the IMDb location, stream it wherever you want. But there's a uh, documentary. I saw it on Netflix originally called The Truth About Lying that will help you in your parenting process. It's going to terrify you about yourself because apparently humans beings lie all the time, every day, nonstop. And it's so scary when you figure that out. It does help you be a more graceful parent. It will. It'll help you be a more graceful parent. Uh, help you be more understanding. So it's a great, great resource. Don't punish for a lifetime. Sticky Faith is another great one. I'm going to get way, way more in depth in this. I'll probably get the resources back out. I might have Kara Powell on. She was from the Fuller Youth Institute at uh, Fuller Seminary in California. Sticky Faith is a longitudinal study they did on how you pass your beliefs on to your children. What are those uh, foundational building blocks that you can do that help you pass your belief system on to your children? One of the big ones is telling your kids when you blow it because that sets them up for success. It says everyone makes mistakes all the time. You will too. Today, I was at work and I accidentally, oh, let us I can tell my son this one today. Uh, I am a podcast producer for the Dr. Jeff Show and I accidentally uploaded a widescreen image when it was supposed to be the square image and it squished it and it cut it off and I had two people email me about it. And I'm in the process of fixing it. Is that a big deal? No, there've been some big deals in the past, but I can tell my kids about that. Hey, I blew it today. I uploaded the wrong image and I got called on it and it didn't make me feel good, but I fixed it and here's how I did it. Okay, now I would also say be age appropriate, right? You don't wanna come home and tell your kids you got fired because you got caught embezzling. Uh, You know, tell your eight-year-old that stuff. Hopefully that's not happening to you, but be age appropriate. Okay. Kids hear way more than we did when we were their ages and be age appropriate in what you do share with your kids. But when you blow it, if you uh, snap at your spouse, you know, you got hangry and you snapped at your wife and you shouldn't have done it. Apologize to her and then apologize to the kids. Don't make an excuse. Hey, I was hangry. So sorry. I yelled. I got hungry. And you know how dad gets. That's an excuse. Hey, honey, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have snapped you like that. That was totally inappropriate. I apologize. Hey kids, I shouldn't have talked to your mom that way. We don't disrespect mommies. She's worked hard all day long. She prepared food. Dad snapped. It's inexcusable. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do that again. That's an apology. That's blowing it in front of your kids. That's making amends, showing how you apologize, how you make amends, being specific in what you're saying you're sorry for, not just a general, I'm sorry, but a specific, I'm sorry. That will work. Uh, okay, where are we at? All right, I'm going to stop on that one because I've got a bunch more, but I want to wait till I get better research into the rest of these things. So, iPad behind me. Um, now, the resource that we're going to get into after the kindness challenge is done, I'm going to give a couple more weeks on the kindness challenge. Let us get through that one. This is called Parenting. It is by Paul Tripp. Parenting. This book changed my parenting belief system more than anything I've ever read, aside from the Bible. I don't know. I think this one led me into the Bible more. I think this changed my view the most, and it pushed me so far into the Bible that that would be number one. But up until that, this did it. This did it. And here's what I want to do. I just want to go through the chapter titles and discuss a little bit of the description of the chapters because it will show you how impactful this book is, right? Like when I did the Rebel Parenting Survey, I talked about, you know, what do you need help with with your kids? Is it behavioral issues, communication, um, anger, yelling, you know, all these things. Everybody was like, yes, yes. All the things we needed, all the things we need help in that. And I'm telling you, this book, Parenting by Paul Tripp, number one, number, number one. My goodness, it was so good. So let's dive in. Okay. 
is what it's called. The 14 godly principles that can radically change your family. Absolutely 100% true. That's why it pushed me so far back into the Bible, which was amazing to get into because it shows so much about all the grace stuff that I've been talking about and that Jesus is our example in grace. All right, let's dive in. Chapter one, calling. Here's the principle. Nothing is more important in your life than being one of God's tools to form a human soul. I mean, isn't that amazing? When you have a child, that means you were called by God, given an ordination to shape a new soul. Wow, that's amazing. I think we get bogged down in culture and especially as husbands and as dads. Well, I'm a provider, I'm a protector. Well, sure, secondarily, Number one, you're the shaper of a soul. That's number one. If you're a parent, the number one job is shaper of a soul. So think about that first before all the other things, all the other superfluous things that we, that we deal with, you know, grades and, you know, you know, future careers and different things like that. Do they love the Lord? Are they heading towards heaven? That's a great calling. Grace. Here's the principle. That's chapter two. Grace. God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to do it. He never sends you without going with you. That's the truth. Now, I'm going to say this in a different way. There are a lot of people that will say, God never gives you anything that you can't handle. And I say the opposite. God always gives you things you can't handle because it proves how much we need him. So he's going to go with you through everything. He will provide everything you need in those situations. But the thing that you need most is him. He's providing him because through him, I can do all things. Through him, all things were held together. Do you understand that? That's why I want to dive into the Bible. And I'm, here's what I worry about. I worry because it's funny. I've got a Metallica shirt on. Um, I'm a regular person. I'm a regular person. I'm a regular parent. I have regular struggles. I have my entire life. Uh, are there some extraordinary things about my life? Sure. And the things I deal with in my marriage and my parenting and my day-to-day work and my job and all that is what everyone else goes through. I talk to my friends. We are dealing with the exact same things. I've been going through these things and just got tangled up in my tangled up in my headphone cord. Sorry. I have had to rely on the Lord in ways I never dreamed possible. And I'm so glad everything about my marriage and my parenting walk and my parent marriage and parenting journey has gotten better because I realize I do it through Christ's strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the only way. And here's what I worry about. I worry that there's cynical Christians out there that have been hurt by the church or have been, you know, said mean things by a pastor or you had uh, angry Christian parents that were legalistic and, and mean-spirited. And so you've, you've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And I get it. Man, I meet so many people that people turned them off to Jesus. Jesus didn't turn you off to Jesus, but people did. And I think Satan uses that so much. I think there's so many cynical Christians out there that when I talk about the Bible impacting my marriage and marriage and parenting, they get cynical with it. And it's not that way for me. It is such a heart change. It has impacted me so greatly that I have to talk about it. Recently, someone told me I should, I should, uh, pare down the Jesus talk and I don't know how to do it. I'm telling you, if I told you all the things that I believe without the Jesus side, I'd be lying to you because I couldn't do all these things without Christ who gives me strength. I couldn't do the kindness challenge. I'm not kidding. I'm just not that nice. I want to be, but I'm not. 
I'm not that nice. I could have done parenting by Paul Tripp without the help of Jesus Christ in my life. And that's why I love it so much because I don't have to be the strong one. I don't have to be the conqueror. I could be the guy that doesn't know anything. And I go, but Christ does. And I know him and he cares about me and he loves you and he died for me. And therefore I'm going to dive back in the Bible and people that know him and I'm going to be a better parent and I'd be a better spouse. Chapter three, law. Your children need God's law. Oh, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Man, let that one marinate. You cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Inability. Principle, recognizing that you are unable, what you are unable to do is essential to good parenting. That's why it comes through the strength of Christ. It's the best. Identity. If you are not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will look for identity in your children. Think about your friends, man. Think about that. Their kids are an extension of their success because their success isn't in their identity in Christ. If your identity is in anything but Jesus Christ, if your success, if your power, if your strength, any of those things is in anything but Jesus Christ, you're going to start looking at your kids as a sign of your success and not Jesus. That's where that whole uh, room cleaning thing came into play. I don't know if I talked about it on here. I was talking about it to somebody the other day. I'm trying to find somebody to debate me on why you should make your children clean their room every day. Should you make your kids clean their room every day? I say no. I want somebody to tell me yes. Because my kid's room and the cleanliness of it doesn't matter to me when people come over. I just shut their rooms. And it doesn't... Now, I've taught my kids how to clean... Now, I had someone debate with me this weekend. They make their kids clean their room once a week. I'm totally into it. I'm definitely thinking about it. But that daily fight with your child over control and compliance, I think, hurts your relationship in the long run. That's all it is. It's control and compliance. I want it to look this way, and I'm going to get my way. And that's what a parent, it's such an interesting thing because that battleground is a silly one. It says, I need you to look a certain way for me to feel good about myself. If your room doesn't look a certain way and that doesn't say something about your character, then I'm going to feel differently about myself and I can't have that. Well, that's your problem, not your child's. And they inherently know that, which is why they fight with you over it. Once a week, I'm totally leaning towards that's a, that's a reasonable request. That everyday fight, never going to do it. Didn't help my relationship with my mom. It doesn't mean she's a bad mom. Please don't call her and tell her this stuff. Someone's going to. Anyway, process. Here's the principle. You must be committed as a parent to long view parenting because change is a process and not an event. Isn't that powerful? Can you tell why I love this book so much? I mean, you read that chapter heading in the description. You're like, oh, I got to dig into that. I got to hear more about that. You must be committed as a parent to long view parenting because change is a process, not an event. Man, I just hit that, right? When you're having conversations with your kids, you want to get everything done in one conversation and you can't because change is a process, not an event. You're trying to force an event. First time parenting, um, oh, where'd my iPad go? It's behind me. First time parenting and that punishment for a lifetime is trying to force an event and not allow the process to work. When you punish your child so hard in hopes that they never do something again, that's an event, not a process. It doesn't work. You'll get compliance until they're out of your eyesight. Ooh, man, I dig this book. It makes me so stoked. Seven, lost. Principle, as a parent, you're not dealing, 
just with bad behavior, but a condition that causes bad behavior. That's why Laura and I say, ask why. Why is my child doing this? Is it just the sin behavior rebelling or is there something else externally going on or internally going on influencing this type of behavior? Okay, I'm going to stop there. I've been going 30 minutes. I'm going to finish more of this up next time because there's so many more chapters and this is such a fantastic book. I am so into it. I do have a Rebel Upgrade Study Guide for Parenting. That's the one I'll release next. I'm going to make it for free. Uh, I won't always do this, but this one is so important and so powerful and so many of you responded to the survey. I want to reward that good behavior and give you the Rebel Upgrade for free for Paul Tripp's Parenting. Buy the book wherever you want, but the study guide has links in it to Amazon. Uh, wherever books, a lot of you might have it, right? A lot of you might have this book already, but it'll be fun to go through it with me. I did videos uh, for this. I've got a study guide for every week and every chapter, giving you key points. It's super easy to go through. We're going to release that one next. You'll find it eventually at rebelparenting.org. I'm going to sign out, then I'm going to start looking at questions, but thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors, Summit Ministries. Summit.org is the website. It is a great Christian worldview camp to help, uh, Build a foundation of Christian truth into your child before they reach that college age. You can get $300 off a summer session by going to summit.org before March 31st and using the code REBEL22. That'll get you a total of $300 off the session. Also, thanks to Covenant Eyes, covenanteyes.com. Use code word REBEL for a free month to get rid of the porn in your life. Thanks to my sponsor for providing free advice and entertainment. God bless. Thanks for listening. I will see you soon.